programa. This is episode 20, and we're going to be talking about anime, and we're just going to have fun with it. And hi, Tyler! First hello, time really hello. Yeah, we haven't gotten to talk yet. Because Tyler was here last episode that I'm sure no one listened to because it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> hey, taxes. 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 <laughs> taxes. <laughs> we're all grown-ups here. We care about taxes. <laughs> but uh, thank you for reading and critiquing all of my stuff, Tyler. No problem. Thanks for right. getting stuff for me to read i don't know have we been productive at all the past time that since stuff before before we get into that real quick we do want to thank our new sponsor zencaster who is making the audio sound amazing uh if you're in podcasting or anything like that check them out zencaster.com use promo code broken jars all caps for 20 percent off your order if you want to do that so yeah check them out uh i've been productive uh, I would say all in all, I've written about 10,000 words. Uh, so that's cool. But I, I end up, I've written 10,000, but I think only about 6,000 is actually still in the story. I, I, I wrote a big chunk and then erased it all and started over. <laughs> but yeah, it ended really. up being a lot better. 10,000 definitely deserves the slow clap. That's That's very impressive. <laughs> Well, my, you know, I uh, I just sort of default to like the dark, gritty writing, and drama is love is supposed to be more like comedy and funny. So I did like I wrote this one scene it was all super dark and brooding. I'm like, that's just not gonna work. So I like scrapped it and rewrote it, could it more dark happy. comedy. It well, but it wasn't. There was no. There was no comedy in the darkness. It was just darkness. So I rewrote it to have some comedy. <laughs> You gotta save that for the end. <laughs> you thought you were reading a comedy. Just kidding. It. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Where you know, just flip genres right there at the end. Everyone loves that. Well, that's Colin. yeah. Well, that is kind of the point of the story. But... No. Hey, I've been on vacation for the past week, so. Oh. Yeah, but we've I been gone for a month. <laughs> he had to prepare for this vacation for three weeks. All right, there was some time for writing. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about anime. Uh, this is a huge topic because it's just a huge amount of stuff that is involved in anime. And so we're going to start with a little bit of background before we get into our normal format of hating on everything. <laughs> <laughs> there's like the basic two big genres that kind of happen, and there's like the shoujo and the shonen. Shoujo <coughs> is for like young girls or teenagers because that's basically what it means. And so you get more of like the romancy types or something like that. And shonen is where uh, there's people with big swords and they hit each other because it's for young boys or teens. And then there's hentai, which we won't talk about. (laughs) (laughs) We won't talk about it, but we just brought it up. (laughs) We'll end up talking about it, I'm sure. And it's not... But it's a thing. And it's not an oversimplification, but that is the easiest way to kind of categorize it is the target audiences that you're appealing for. Oh my gosh. Alarm. Got it. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) 
So yeah, the oversimplification of it. Yeah, there's the target audience where you're targeting the guys, targeting the girls. There's there's a lot of cross in between there. There's girls that do magical stuff and fantasy and adventure. There's guys that are just in high school and dealing with the struggles of what it's like to grow up and deal with parents and just random issues. There's overlap, of course, but keeping things simple. Shonen, shoujo. It usually has to deal with like a level of complexity. Like if it's a shoujo or shonen, the just the types of problems that they have and the characters that they are are you know very teen-like. But if you get into something that's actually targeted for a more of an adult audience, it becomes much more complex. Like the Zerg. It kind of like was a small uh, like mind blown moment of like oh that's why I like this one thing better is because it's actually for adults. <laughs> And that's something that anime as a, a medium really gets a bad rep for because people who don't know what it is look at it and they're like, oh, that's a good cartoon that I grew up with. People who kind of know what it is say it's just a lot. It's targeted towards an older audience, but all I see is a lot of girls with panty shots and that big boobs and it's being silly the whole time. They don't really get into the plot because they just see the gifts that they see, the memes that they see, and that's what their their exposure to the medium is. And then, yeah, there are shows that are actually sat down, written out, and targeted towards an adult audience where the themes that they're driving towards is meant for adults it's not really it's like not your cartoon show like rick... <laughs> it's similar to how rick and morty is definitely not a cartoon right it's demonstrated that you can take a medium and do something with it other people don't do where you talk about harsh topics you talk about stuff that's very serious stuff that's you sit there and contemplate and you realize that it's really dark with the guise of it being funny and comedical and being within its genre, it still is kind of genre breaking. So anime yeah. does that a lot. It just doesn't necessarily get the representation because there is a ton of anime that is what people expect it to be. Yeah. And I feel like like the animation is like losing whatever stigma of it. Oh, it's just a cartoon. It's for kids. Like, especially like we have things like Bojack Horseman, which is not meant for kids whatsoever. <laughs> not at all. Like Simpsons have been around for ages. Right. Yeah. And now, like, by the people who are now grown-ups, they grew up with things like The Simpsons because it's been going on for so long. They don't have the negative association with it. Um, so everyone's able to enjoy it a lot more. We're much more embracing and diverse. Just like comic books aren't just for nerds anymore because now they're making movies that are huge and mainstream and everybody is enjoying them. It's, I mean, it's a whole other topic, but it's similar where it's a broader appeal due to the availability of different mediums to enjoy this, you know, what people have written in this kind of artwork, so... And we're probably going to have to do an entirely different episode on comics, comic books, and comic movies. <laughs> Several episodes, I would assume. That's, that's a huge <laughs> topic. That's a, the whole yeah. the other Going with, with anime, there's some, like, the basic normal archetypes of anime story types. And very much like what they call it slice of life is just somebody going to high school and the problems they're in. Or uh, so often there's just a normal, boring teenager something magical happens and they're thrust into something high-powered fantasy something. <clears throat> Inuyasha, Bleach, all of those things did that. Yeah, where someone realizes that they had some power that they've never been told about up until the point when it was relevant, which is the beginning of the show. And then they get to go through this journey as the person who you can kind of imprint yourself on where you're learning about it as they're learning about it. Books do this all the time. Anime just uses this as the structure. Harry Potter, exactly. It's, it's a very standard person who is extracted from our world that we can relate to, thrown into a world that we can't relate to, and we get to go through this journey with them. Anime does that a lot. Anime depends on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the 
the benefits of them learning at the same time that the viewer or reader is learning is like that's the benefit of the everyman archetype but it's like I, it's really hard to think of popular anime that doesn't rely on that because they all do well that's the kind of the problem with pop like popularity as a, as a whole is that the popularity is not it, ha, it they, they pick what works they pick what's popular and then you get to go along with you know whatever's popular and every show has to succeed or else it's a very sink or swim thing with anime there's a lot more pressure on them to make money so they're going to go with what's safe and that's really what's been popular in the last 10 to 15 years the most successful like commercially successful shows have been ones that pander to an audience who's looking for that hero's journey that adventure type show the one where it starts with someone who's a boy from his village and ends up being in a giant mech throwing galaxies across the planet to fight god like that's the that's the type of thing that you you see in anime, and that expectation is what really drives the market. All right. I think that's kind of enough background, <laughs> at least for this one. And we can start in on, like, the popular things that, or the ones that we like and want to talk about, or the ones that we really hate and want to talk about. Anyone want to start? Well, one thing I do like about anime, I don't watch a lot of it, so I'm going to be pretty worthless this episode. Just get that out there. <laughs> but you... you you can almost always find an anime on the subject you want to like watch you know about it's almost like a documentary where there's this there's going to be some subject on it like one the one the one anime i've seen front to back is initial d it's all about <laughs> drifting cars in the mountains and so you know it was enjoyable beyond just the drifting but it was really cool to have like that kind of storytelling around something that is pretty niche and it's hard to find storytelling around it. And that's something you run into a lot with anime is that they will cover any subject. It is a very unlimited medium for telling stories because animating a scene costs the same regardless of how busy it gets. Doing a TV show that's, you know, with live actors that takes place in high school is way less expensive than doing a TV show that involves lots of superheroes and special effects. Anime doesn't run into that because the keyframes that they pay for with the different character animations and the production value is consistent. So that opens it up to if you have a show, you can do whatever medium or you can do whatever type of story you want to. And things like Initial D where it's, it's literally about cars. People who love cars can relate to it because it's accurate. The people who wrote it did their research. You can see that in it. And it's yeah, pretty fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, I keep so, rambling. No, no, it helps. Like this, that's essentially how you do a podcast. You just record it. Seriously, <laughs> it's really not that hard. <laughs> but, um, so popular animes are usually the ones I go to, to as like an example. It's like Naruto and Bleach. And I've watched a lot of both of them. I've actually finished Naruto because I, I couldn't. Wow. The anime. I read it all through the end. And I absolutely fucking hated the ending. <laughs> Ugh. And I gave up on Bleach because I got it really bad, but like those are the, the popular ones that a lot of people know of. And also, they see things like Attack on Titan is getting like really popular. I like, got like a lot of marketing, I guess, because a lot of people know of it. It was, it was the hype. It was the word of mouth. It was the fact that it was genre breaking for like almost anime as a medium. It was doing things that a lot of people didn't associate with a cartoon, like just the opening scene. By the way, if you never watched Attack on Titan, go watch the first episode. That sets you up for about what you're going to see the whole time. It's crazy. It's not like anything you would expect to see in this medium. And that's yeah. it's it got crazy popular. It's, 
Yeah, maybe it's that. Is that it? It did the really dark thing. Like it's very good at like the uncanny valley of like making you feel creeped out. Yeah, really just the bad guys. Instead of like the You're slice so of life high school creepy. drama. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you guys bring up the uncanny valley of uncomfortableness. That's it's a fun subject. Haven't I? I it's I real did. good if you're writing horror suspense to like dwell in that uncanny valley of where it's like it's yeah. almost believable. It's realistic enough to where it's plausible, but that's what makes well, it so awkward. I feel that <laughs> I, I probably thought at least I'd brought up the uncanny valley because I talk about berserk often enough. <laughs> that is Attack on Titan for serious grown-ups who need a drinking problem. <laughs> or already have one. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's incredibly dark, and it's the way that it's drawn is convincing enough. It's like, yeah, I could believe that that's what a monster would look like, and the way that they act, and all of the characters are really well done. So it's like terrifying in the best ways. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of redeemable characters in that too. Everyone has their flaws, and their flaws define them more than their strengths. You expect someone who fights to be good at fighting, but his flaws driving him to make his decisions rather than, you know, what you would expect from a show of of like a protagonist. Like that's that's what I like about it, is how relatable and real all of it feels. Not just not to mention just you know the gritty animation style to where everything feels visceral and real. But yeah, the characters are so good in Berserk. It's well written. Yeah, everyone needs to read Berserk. Like, let's not spoil anything because it's worth going in blind. But oh, yeah. <laughs> Attack on Titan is, yeah, like the, the kid version of Berserk. It has more problems about their characters because they're children. Colin, do you want to jump in now? About how boring <laughs> the main characters are? Yeah. Yeah, they're so bad. I mean, they're just, they're just plain stereotypes, really. Yeah, so there's three main characters that are like the core and there's Aaron and Mikasa and what's his name Armin? Armin. Yeah Armin the blonde guy her kid and Aaron is like the main super boy he's annoying and he's whiny and he doesn't do shit except for the fact that he can turn into a titan and therefore he's obviously super special Mikasa is a badass Mm -hmm. that's pretty much his only qualification yeah He's just like empty archetype trope of a person. They're because all Mary Sue. Sometimes even worse. The problem is, is, yeah, they are tropes. They're all Mary Sue's that don't go through a lot of character development, except when it's very ham handedly forced <laughs> by the plot line. And even then, they don't handle it well. It doesn't feel believable. It feels like they're just there for the sake of plot. Like, we had to make the show about someone. So you have yeah. a character who the only interesting thing about him is the situation he's in and the power that he latently has. It's nothing of his own character that is interesting. It's none of the decisions that he makes that is interesting. He doesn't learn anything. He doesn't grow. That is the definition of a Mary Sue character to where they have all this stuff written into That's them, it. but they themselves don't carry it. Yeah. And Armin's like the this? smart one who figures everything out. Yeah. Well, Armin's the smart one who figures everything out that was already apparent to the reader 30 pages ago. Yeah, and he's, like, just info dump as a person. He is the plot device to just explain everything, and he shows off how, like, intelligent he is, but the writer is apparently not as intelligent as the character he's trying to write, therefore he does it badly. And writing genius characters is difficult, because how do you show that they're a genius without, like, basically sounding condescending uh but yeah armin was done badly and mikasa is just a badass japanese girl 
Like, she is badass because she is Japanese, and they make a point of saying it. <laughs> She's the only Japanese person. Yep, yeah, that's... <laughs> well, I heard that one of the other people oh. that has dark hair and is also kind of a badass might also be Japanese. But that's I don't know. Right? I kind of have to... I haven't watched the second season yet, so uh, I know it, it just finished, yeah. and I haven't gotten around to it. Those characters oh. are, like, cousins or something. They might be, but, like, I thought she didn't have any family, and that's why that she was raised with Aaron, which is also, like... So they're raised together, kind of like siblings, and she's in love with him? Yeah, they, that's something that shows up a lot in anime, the family relationships, because they're not blood-related, but, you know, childhood mm -hmm. friend thing. Yeah, and the stupid, utter devotion for, like, the only thing that matters is Aaron, and Aaron is not worth anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the the un, like the unexplainable affection towards someone that everyone else is just doesn't care about and hates. <laughs> like you as the reader, you're like, I don't get why anyone would like this person. Yet there is this character that exists who just seems head over heels for them, which that shows up in writing all like in just you know Western writing. Yeah, yeah he did. That, yeah, he did. But that but then he doesn't do anything problem. afterwards. Is that so? There were what like eight or ten when that happened. They're kids, and. Mikasa's family was murdered. She was going to be taken as a slave or something. And then Aaron and his dad show up, and Aaron just murders the guy and saves his life, her life. But he's just a boring kid, and then he murders someone, and then he goes back to being a boring kid. How does that happen? He's not, like, shaked to the core at all by it. He's still no. this... Who, he tries to get in a fight in the first episode. So, like, that's the first characterization you get from him, which is jarring considering he's already murdered somebody in defense of his sister. You, that just, it seems out of place because in the first episode, how they portray him is that he starts a fight with these, or some bullies start a fight with him. He like tries to stand up for himself and gets shoved down. Like you know, he's just a hot shot who doesn't know his place. Like he is a co complete loser in the beginning, and his sister saves him. And it's just like what it. I don't know the whole scene later on where you actually found out their backstory behind them. It seems way out of place considering how he's portrayed the entire time. It's inconsistent. Yeah. It means all of the side characters that are not those three are a lot better because they have like actual personality and actual <laughs> conflicts that they deal with. Like Aaron is usually <laughs> manipulated by other people, and those people are much more interesting. Pretty much the other member of the squad is better. Oh yeah. And then the scout squads, and everybody's mm -hmm. just cooler. They're very <laughs> actually like have some level of complexity to them. But... That's. That's something that I think anime runs into trouble with a lot is that they are very heavily trope based because they don't get enough time or they don't take the time to develop their characters. They rely on archetypes for people to quickly recognize what type of person someone's supposed to be. So that way they can get to whatever the premise is that the person's trying to drive with the narrative, whether it be a plot driven show that has characters that are just kind of there for the sake of being there for driving the plot, because you can tell when they focus on the plot or they focus on the characters in anime that happens a lot where it's just oh well here's some characters to go and do this thing or that thing and then that's you can tell that was their entire purpose there wasn't any depth behind them there was no depth behind that decision making of the writing process yeah. it's it's a weird fault of anime that they just have characters that are tropes and archetypes without personality behind them but you can very easily tell what kind of archetype the character is based on how they look and how they're drawn like for example if you wear glasses, you're a smart person. 
my favorite like they have that trope where the guy is like saying something and then he pushes the glasses up on his nose and like then it, it goes to like a like a black and white silhouette and it's like all his glasses are reflective just a, like a trope you see in like a bunch of different shows and that yeah they're always a smart person you can tell right away they use that a lot to sinister people too yeah yep the of the glasses the size of someone's eyes is a good is a good tell if someone's evil or not. If someone has very narrow, slitted eyes, guy or girl, they're probably a bad guy or morally ambiguous. But the main characters usually have bigger eyes, they have rounder eyes. They have that. It's you know it's written for appeal. That's they went into it really heavily with the analysis behind uh, James Cameron's Avatar, behind how they designed the Navi, where they had large eyes, so you're sympathetic towards them, and then all the cat-like figure. They're, features and stuff and it deals with the sympathy and they learned that or the people who started animating anime back in the day realized that you know you could characterize people in a way where people associate them with a certain emotion just based off first initial impression like what trope they are like you were saying yeah well part of it like with the eye size is that it especially pertains to how young a character is like the younger they are the larger their eyes are because we associate large eyes with children and babies and all forms so it, that becomes part of it. But then as it, you get more masculine, you get like more rectangular eyes. And sometimes like the more Western you are, the more rounder your eyes are, which kind of makes sense. But it was a little funny if you watch Ergo Proxy, because there's one guy, I don't remember his name, but he's kind of sort of the main character. And he's just kind of like hunches over. And he's really pathetic. And he has like these just lines for eyes until he becomes a badass in which you can actually see his eyes. And he looks like an anime character. <laughs> That's a trope I've never really understood is the lines for eyes. Uh, the first time I ever saw that was in uh, in Pokemon because Brock, he had the lines for eyes. That's like that's, a, that's an immediate example I think anyone can relate to. I, I don't get that trope. I don't get what that's supposed to be because, you know, <laughs> I've, I don't know. <laughs> There's a character in Bleach that he's supposed to be reminiscent of a snake. And, and so he just has like a weird creepy smile and his lines for eyes and he's supposed to be creepy that way. And it works. But they just seem to just use it sometimes randomly, sometimes just to show how Asian or pathetic a person is, which are not the same things, but it seems to correlate. Uh, when they characterize villains, they like to pick things that people find detestable, like you said, like a snake. Uh, I know in certain shows they depict people who like have like a, a sinister look to them with glasses and they have buck teeth and they're trying to portray them as being like a rat, like someone you can't trust. And yeah, it just you can tell immediately, like, all right, this guy's a bad guy, and he's probably like this. You just know immediately based off of the trope and how they appear, what they were going for with this character. I, I don't think I actually have a problem with that because especially when you introduce characters all the time, and depending on like who the target audience is for the show, having re easily identifiable good guys and bad guys, not not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, anime it's not anime it's is targeted towards a younger audience as a whole. But there is anime that obviously is meant to be enjoyed by people who are older, and there is anime that's well written. But yeah, there is anime that is definitely targeting, you know, a younger age group. So yeah, and they do the same things that the Disney movies do. You can tell which lion is the good <laughs> one, which lion is the bad one. Yeah, exactly, and that's you know easily. I mean, tropes have their purpose. I know, I know you've talked about this on the show before. Tropes have their purpose, and they can be done right. And it just because a character's tropey doesn't necessarily mean they aren't deep. You can do a trope well to where they are interesting. But the existence of tropes in anime, it, that's the same in basically any medium. Characterize a guy at a bar in some tavern in a fantasy book as being a certain way, and you're using a trope so the person identifies right away, this is how this character is supposed to be, this is how they're going to act, and you have these assumptions in your head. 
they break away from trope, it's interesting, but it still happens. Um, not anime, but the Redwall series, how the animals are just black and white, which ones are good and which ones are bad. And it's just the stereotypical animals people like and keep as pets tend to be good animals. And the ones that people don't keep as pets are just plain evil. And there's no... There's no balance or variability. It's just black. And no white. redeemable factions about, or no. no redeemable qualities about them. The uh, I think a good example of oh, sorry, go ahead. I've done. Uh, I know someone's brought up Warbreaker on this, and Warbreaker has the two mercenary guys that are depicted as being these like mercenaries, like they look like thugs. But then when you hear them talk, it's an entire break of that trope that you had associated with them when you first met them. I, I can't remember her name. She's it's the girl who's trying to take the play, the older sister in Warbreaker by yeah. Brandon Sanderson. Uh, they're very forgettable. <laughs> oh, you did. Problem you, with Warbreaker. It was just how like I couldn't tell which sister I was reading because they felt the same. Well, it's because the god stole the show. The uh, the older oh yeah the, the guy he oh I just loved his dialogue. He was so witty and fun to read and yeah it's great. Warbreaker was but, good. But yeah, the two, anyways, the two mercenaries that were in Warbreaker that stole the show from her arc the older sister's arc they were just kind of interesting well-rounded characters that you found more and more about that entirely broke the trope that they were written for of looking like thugs but they didn't quite always act like thugs and their dialogue was hilarious it's not significant at all right <laughs> mm -hmm. but so, moving on to another anime is one that I think in large part did very, very well with everything, and it's Full Metal Alchemist. And if you're talking about the specifically the animated parts, there was the original one that came out in 2001, and this Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which came out later, and it actually stuck to the story that was in the manga, and it's far better. Well, I have to make it like, up after they got too far ahead. Right, and <laughs> made the world building all more consistent, the characters were more, more believable, more consistent, and it just, it's so much better. So when we say FMA, we mean FMA Brotherhood. Just so you know. That's how you avoid pissing off a lot of anime fans, because people will say exactly what you just said all the time. So. Yeah. I enjoyed the first one. I also enjoyed the first one. But for what it was, it was good. It was, it was really good until you see how the story was actually supposed to go. And then you can like watch as it's sticking to the storyline and then diverges hugely as they had to change it because they didn't have enough to go off of. But they had to keep like publishing all the episodes. I think the biggest difference between Brotherhood and Full Metal Alchemist was that Brotherhood, it stuck to the show or it stuck to the writing originally, but the tone of it, how the producers chose to write it, it had a little bit more of a lighthearted tone. It kept going back to the humor and having that lighthearted tone. Whereas when once Full Metal Alchemist, the original one, like flipped its switch, it was dark. Like just stayed dark the whole time. Part of that is that the 2003 series utterly does not have the Asian country in it. I think it, yeah, Zing or that's true. The name it is. wasn't, yeah, and, it was, uh, Zing. um, my and Ling Chang. Oh, god, I forget other names now. Yeah, like they're typically comedic relief in their scenes. Yeah, and the, the way that she originally wrote it is it goes from dark to light, and there's a lot of comedy in it. And I always really giggle at it when I'm watching it. <laughs> but and there were some comedy moments I remember in the original anime. But they kind of stood out to me in the fact that they didn't belong anymore. So yeah, it flipped a switch and it stayed dark, which I did enjoy because I like the dark shit. But I don't know. FMA was the Brotherhood. 
was really well done of all of the balances and all of the the pain and the humor and yeah but also like yeah, characters, oh, I can't think of a character that was done badly in Brotherhood haha -ha. I got you I'm trying, trying to think now, yeah, now I'm thinking I'm like huh let me think <laughs> I mean, objectively, I wouldn't say they did any of the characters bad. The show was just extremely well put together. You had characters who were side characters that had a trope, where they were a static character, but they were a well-done static character that served their narrative purpose. So it's kind of hard to like tear apart, oh, well, this side character didn't feel like a main character. Because all the main characters did their job and had development. All the side characters did their job and progressed the plot or taught the main protagonist or pushed the thematic point in some way. So yeah, the show was just so well put together. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess you could say that the main characters sometimes are annoying because they're still teenagers, but they're still engaging enough, like even at the more annoying that they could get, it's still fun, and it was still really well done. They have all sorts of complexity in their personality. But, I don't, like, even, like, Mustang, Colonel Mustang, he has all of these people around him, and they seem to usually just be side characters that have a purpose, but even with that, they still progress and change throughout it and you can see the effects of the story on them as it goes and that's good oh like the if you want to call them one-dimensional characters of the homunculus because they are one aspect of a personality they still had more complexity than dumb animated character archetypes in attack on titan and that's, um, I think, something that another big pitfall that a lot of anime gets into is static characters. You have characters that don't, they just don't go through any growth. Um, my friend is, you know, there's people who are into anime kind of on the surface level. And they talk about Dragon Ball Z and One, Pl One Piece or Naruto and Bleach. I'm like, name the Dragon Ball Z character who is not static. There's only, there's only two of them in the entire arc of the original series. There's only two characters who are not static that go through any growth, no matter all these lessons. Like there's a character, the main character dies three times and still learns nothing. He never grows. <laughs> like, come on. You think that after going through traumatic experiences time and time again, that you would grow and be more wise the next time you make a decision. But they run into the same pitfalls that they run into every time. They're not growing as characters. Sorry, picked up, pick up there. But uh, that's yeah. But you, with a show like Full Metal Alchemist, you actually see character growth, not just in the protagonist, not just in side characters, but even in the villains, to where they're not just portrayed as your Sunday morning cartoon bad guy, where they're one dimensional. They're kind of one dimensional in theme, but they they still show growth. I know Envy at least kind of grew on me in the original series, is how how she changed, how she, her perspective changed as she progressed through this world as a bad guy. So. You use the program of pronoun she, but envy, I believe, was usually male, right? Oh, I'm 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 mix, uh, maybe it's, it's the other one. It's the it's not the shorter lust. one. It's the taller one. Lust. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Lust. She had a much more interesting storyline in the original anime. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm referencing here. <laughs> that's what I meant to say. Is lust. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I liked what they did with her, but I think that they had to use her because they couldn't go with the all the other ones <laughs> i don't know like they made more sense okay there's one one-dimensional homunculus that just does the one-dimensional thing and that's sloth in brotherhood is that all he does is complain about the fact that he has to do things and he does things slowly and that's it but what he's doing yeah. is super important and it was good
See, so we did, kind of broke our mold with this one. We're just talking about the good things in that anime. <laughs> yeah. That's not um, something I mean, we Formal Alchemist do. has its. <laughs> I mean, Fullmetal Alchemist has its problems. Um, I think tone is the biggest issue with Fullmetal Alchemist. That's something that a lot of anime runs into, where it's maintaining consistency and tone. A lot of the times, I was like really starting to get involved, like emotionally invested in what was happening, and then they drop some lighthearted thing that just shifts the whole tone out of it, and you're like. You could swing this a little softer in one direction or another, where you can build up to a serious moment or build up to a comedic thing. But the comedic relief just popping in here and in and out of there, please don't do that in a book. Like, don't don't tone shift like that immediately. It works in anime. It can work in anime, but that's something that bothers me is like a storytelling, especially when you're going for something serious. Don't tone shift like that. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with any of the like comedic inserts with Brotherhood. It's kind of I don't know it always worked for me and it can work in a book obviously everything can work it just it has to be you want it to be you know like if you want it to be the tension relief moment okay but if you want it to stay tense don't do the tension relieving joke and yeah i mean obviously things subjective that's just how i felt that's how it impacted me but there's plenty of people who are they're okay with that that thought it was a good breaking point for it again i'm someone who i'm someone who also enjoys the really intense and gritty feel especially when something starts to get dark and i don't want to break from that i want to see how far that you can go down that rabbit hole but <laughs> not always appropriate with any show because you know some shows are a lot more balanced and well put yeah, together i guess than what i'm expecting brotherhood is still considered a shonen and, and maybe they don't need to get quite so dark as, say, Berserk for Shonen. So. Okay. Is there another, like, prominent anime we want to dissect? Or do we want to move on to something else? I could always get into Sailor Moon, right? That's one of the big ones. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, you could get my, into the, just any of the popular shows like that as a whole, like Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z. My wife um, absolutely Bleach. loves Sailor Moon. I've watch like the first two seasons with her and i don't know what i think about it but it's definitely interesting <laughs> it is it was big enough to it. make it into a bare naked lady song so okay i don't know i, I used to watch it when i was like four and i've never watched it again <laughs> but from what i, I mean, remember it's it's really generic <laughs> It, it is very generic. It absolutely is. I mean, that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just kind of depends on what it is that you're looking for. I mean, if you're looking to write a book, just stay away from generic. But if you're just looking for entertainment, anime is still a medium for entertainment. It doesn't have to have good writing. There's plenty of things that are not written well that are entertaining. So you're saying it's, it's the Beatles of anime. It's just generic in there. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Might make some people mad with that. <laughs> Might make some people mad with comments like that. That's how I used to think about the Beatles, though. I'm, not, I'm I've been, you know, had my opinion changed a little bit of that. So let's well, not get into the Beatles. What I meant with the Sailor Moon being generic is similar in the way that uh, Wheel of Time is generic. Is that it has all of the major tropes of a thing tied up in one package. And therefore, everything else that looks even similar like it, who might have done it much better, is still going to be generic towards that thing. So if you consume the later versions that might have perfected a trope, and then you go back to the earlier ones, which is more clumsy, it's going to hurt. And that's the way I felt about Wheel of Time. Well, I mean, the first half of the first book is could almost be like a word-for-word -word retelling of Fellowship of the Ring. 
<laughs> it, I mean, it was a popular fantasy trend at the time, and it's what he wrote to fit in. A boy starts in his village with no purpose. Uh, trouble happens. He meets a person who's going to be the mentor that leads him, that has some kind of magical power that's not explained. Yeah, it's, it's his exact same story arc. <laughs> yeah. I guess I should just um, win Tolkien then. There's um, so there's a lot of like we've talked kind of about the the generic anime and how anime can fall into tropes. We have a great example, which is Full Metal, or Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is fitting to a genre but it just does it so well it doesn't try to like be this special piece it just does everything well something that's kind of unique that kind of really got me into anime and got me to take it seriously as like a storytelling like a storytelling platform to where you can really tell an important story is all the genre breaking anime uh, if you're familiar with sailor moon you're probably not familiar with madoka magica but that's that was insanely popular in 2011 because of how genre breaking it is it's a very very dark anime it's 13 episodes about magical girls who just want to make a wish so they they and they have to serve their time effectively and this it's effectively like a magical military like you have to serve your contract out and you get your wish but uh and that's a kind of a misrepresentation but how dark it gets behind like what that actually meant what that commitment meant and the underlying principles behind it and how dark this world is and how it's this, this cycle of them all feeding off of each other. And like, you think it's this happy go lucky show and then it turns out to be dark and gritty and stealing with 15 year old girls. And they're all portrayed as people who don't know how to deal with this. A lot of mind breaking going on because how would you cope with something like existentialism and the fact that your life doesn't matter and the heat death of the universe and big subjects like that. in this like 13 episode anime, there's shows like that in anime, and I don't think that would work in any other medium except for anime. <laughs> yeah, some sitcoms try that sometimes, where they've just been comedic sitcoms, and suddenly they try to do this super serious, tragic story arc, and it just doesn't work. You can't. Not in that medium. I would say something like BoJack has kind of done it. Like, it definitely is a comedy, but it is about fucked up people and their fucked up lives so it kind of balances that but it's not like the cute 15 year old girls going through fucked up shit and yeah. that's the thing that anime can probably pull off better yeah that would just be creepy <laughs> <laughs> that's i mean that's just kind of special to the medium uh one other one little thing i want to talk about what i mean kind of the big subject here was what can anime do well as far as characterization um, you have your trope characters, you have your undeveloped characters, your static characters, but the scene production that happens in anime, they can use the scene production to characterize characters like no other medium can, where you have the, the music cutting at it at the right time, you have it zooming in on this character, you have characters' internal monologue swapping between first person where they're talking to the audience and third person because it's literally over their shoulder and watching what's happening and all this kind of fits together in a way that you can't really do without it coming off as cheesy in any other medium but anime can pull it off if, it, if done right can pull it off so well and it's a it's a way to characterize a show it's a unique characterization of its characters that i don't think any other medium can do i think anime is pretty cheesy a lot of the time it's just accepted yeah yeah, yeah it, no, anime gets away with I a agree. lot because that's what anime is, you know. But it's very cheap. Absolutely true. It's just, but like I said, I, if you can like, pull something off right, you can yeah. still evoke emotions. Like, um, Major Armstrong, and every scene he goes up in, we've got muscles, and, it's just, and there's like sparkles and yeah, twinkles, and it's very cheesy. 
but it works. I really it's enjoyed okay. having family and brotherhood and <laughs> sister. And how his sister's the entire opposite. Yeah. And, well, and then he's got two sisters. The older one is oh. terrifying and hates him. The younger sister is adorable but can still lift grand piano over her head. <laughs> <laughs> it's very anime at that point and cheesy and ridiculous. But... Unrealistic. Much easier. So something on... About characters that Major Armstrong shows a lot is that they have a lot of really muscular guys that are at like 3% body fat perpetually, which is pretty much impossible. <laughs> but that's just an accepted well, thing in anime. Well, I mean, anime as a whole or as a whole is stylistic to where you can't have those exaggerated character features because you don't have to pay an actor to maintain it at any time. <laughs> You can you can over stylize things, and it it's kind of like uh, Colin was saying it's it's kind of expected to be silly, and that kind of comes with the artwork and everything being over stylized. Where a character explodes, their head gets all big, and the other person kind of shrinks on scene for a little bit while they're yelling, and then everything goes back to normal. That's something that happens in anime, and it, it puts more emphasis because that's just how they chose to present it. But it's just accepted as being like, oh, okay, well, yeah, it's just anime. Like, no one thinks twice about it. After you've seen it more than once, you don't think about it again. Right, well, it's kind of like the the Simpsons, right? Like, Bart and Lisa have looked the same for 30 years now, and we don't care. (laughs) The thing the Simpsons and a lot of Western shows don't do is that physical, emotional display. Like, you can have... Like, the Simpsons will make jokes with... um, Heat waves or smell waves or whatnot for jokes and stuff, but anime consistently uses the visual image to display those emotions, like shrinking one person down and having the other one grow large so he's shouting at him and those kind of things. I don't really know how. (laughs) There's a lot of exaggeration and then people talking loudly is definitely one of them. (laughs) Have you guys seen Akira? I have. Yes, I have actually seen that one. Okay, isn't there like 30 seconds or something at the end where they're just screaming each other's names as they're about to run at each other and and die? (laughs) I don't remember that scene because of all the other crazy messed up shit that happened in that that movie. (laughs) I thought it became a meme after that movie. It's like, Tetsuo! And they're just screaming their names and then they have to run at each other. Yeah, I've I've seen that meme. That's that's a thing. That's a gift. Like on an endless loop. <laughs> some of the jokes with Dragon Ball Z is like they cut back and forth between the two people who are fighting, but they never actually reach each other. Yeah, yeah they're just perpetually yelling in a, in a rising octaves as they're charging up their attack for 15 episodes. Yeah, it's the yeah, entire it's... episode is them screaming at each other. Mm-hmm. And just becoming more of a fireball and like, this isn't even my final form, right? Where that comes and that's from, a, from a final form. Yep, that is. Well, I don't know if that came directly. From, yeah, well, anyways, basically. It came from Dragon Ball Z. I just don't Yeah, it would have been Frieza. Frieza, because yeah. Frieza has four forms, and that's like the very first big arc in Dragon Ball Z. That's the important arc in Dragon Ball Z. That's the one that I enjoyed the most, and I haven't seen it in a really long time, so I don't remember much. I still get goosebumps when I watch him Goku go Super Saiyan the first time. Like I still like associate that with like a feeling I felt when I was like twelve and saw it, and I was like, "This is the coolest thing ever." Because so, at that point, it still meant something instead of being beaten to death. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was like a show that did it and did it well. It may not have been original. I'm not going to try to fact check that, but it did it well, and everyone got to see it. So I associate a memory with that. But there's a, um, a thing, especially with anime, of like, so person goes from nothing to really powerful, but then uh, the publishers basically say you have to make more. This is making too much money, which is essentially what happened to Dragon Ball Z. Of it had to keep going, and then there has to be another bad guy another bad guy and another bad guy they don't have to be more and more powerful and it just gets stupid it's episodic oh, is the God. issue <laughs> yeah you when you get power creep in a tv show like come on <laughs> that's a video game thing that's but already happens, you know not done well it, happens yeah. so it does the yeah. thing that broke bleach for me is that it never ended the bad guy lost four be- times <laughs> Yeah, and, and it, just, like, it kept going, and it's like, no, there's another bad guy, and there's another bad guy, and we just have to keep doing it. It's like, there's no actual storyline ending. It's just perpetual screaming and fighting and big swords. Comic books do the same thing. I have lots Western of comic books comics, do that. Yeah. And we shall shave that, and that for another episode. She hates them all. Comic Alchemist did manage to avoid that for the most part. Mm-hmm. Because it was awesome. <laughs> It just knew when to stop. They also do. That's the big deal. I have the issue of the very passive, aggressive main villain who probably could have solved his problems ahead of time, but just didn't feel like doing it because he was arrogant (laughs) for the sake of story. Uh (laughs) Comic book villains show up in anime as anime villains a lot. Something uh, there is something I really wanted to talk about with this because it's a shift in the current production of anime. And I was a current like in the last ten years, it's been a big push. So in J- in Japan, when people write books, there's a whole separate subset of books called light novels, and their books are usually between 150 to 250 pages that are catering to an anime friendly audience, but they're written and they're detailed and structured with editors like a book. That's that's how they're written. They're written with that level of. Uh, I say care in the writing. That's kind of a weird term to use, but they're written like a book. If you enjoy, if you ever read a translated visual novel, you'll feel like you're reading a book. Like like or hate the subject material, it's still well written. And a lot of uh, anime shows have been being made off of these light novels. We have these people who write these series. Well, they're they'll write nine books, and then you'll have an anime that's made about the first four to get people is a promotion to get people to go and buy the books because obviously books are a lot easier to mass produce than anime, which is expensive per episode. And, uh, that one of my favorite examples for, of this, and this is kind of what kicked it off of light novels becoming made into books was spice and wolf, which is one of the shows I want to talk about. Um, i actually have read the entire series. There's 17 books in the series. They're all about 150 to 250 pages long. Uh, where they basically just cover a, a story arc, but they wrap up individ- like each book wraps up individually of each other book, but they're all tied together, they're all strung together as a single story. And the trend of the of shows being based off of books is what I really want to talk about is the fact that these are characters who are developed and written and explained and have this growth and are dynamic characters that we're now seeing in more modern anime because of the shift of people realizing that they can't just make these episodic shows that people watch every Saturday, like Dragon Ball Z, where you have these filler arcs, they need, people care more about the writing now. People are more informed. There's a lot more material out there. And that's something that the anime industry has taken a shift in, is using books and turning them into anime. Now, right now, it's all 
local books. It's all Japanese light novels that are being turned into anime. I don't think I can't think of any example of a a Western piece or European piece being turned into an anime. But this is something that the industry is taking a shift towards, where the writing is getting better, where the right. characters are being fleshed out. It's crazy. Aren't there a few graphic novels for Dresden? Yeah, then there there's comic books. Yeah, for Dresden. They've done that with a few series. Yeah, and that's getting more popular. I know that they did things like that with the Anita Blake series and probably more. Maybe it's a, an urban fantasy thing, like it's able to take off more. Mm. I don't know. But you're talking about light novels and anime, but then it reminds me of there was the light novel called All You Need Is Kill, and then there was the manga that was made with the same title, with the same story, and then there was Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise and What's-Her-Face in it, and it was amazing. And, and yeah, it, what, with the story, but it's still live, really die, good. Repeat. Live, die, repeat. Yeah, that's Edge of Tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. So the, the title is Edge of Tomorrow, but they marketed as Live, Die, Repeat, which is really dumb. Yeah, that was terrible. I uh, yeah, I don't get how you can change the name of something after it comes out. <laughs> but it was still a really good movie. It's oh, one I, of my favorites. Actually, it was super just, fun. Yeah. Yeah. When I was watching the movie. It was funny because as I was watching, I was like, I got to look this up because I, I swear to you, this this has to be a visual novel. This is written, the story structure of this is like a Japanese visual novel. Even the jokes and the dialogue between the characters. And I went and looked it up. Sure enough, it was a visual novel. That's what it was based off of. And that was something we got to see over here in America as a well-done movie. I really liked that movie. They did a good job with it. It was good. It was amazing. Um, yeah. And... and it stands on its own as a thing, and then there's just like this source material, really, because I know they changed some things that are significant, like the ending of it. In Edge of Tomorrow, it's essentially a happy ending, but I think in All You Need Is Kill, like, the two main characters had to kill each other to actually make it stop, so it was like a really dark ending. But to me, that just seems over the top and kind of loses its meaning at that point. I don't know. Like, I prefer the Edge of Tomorrow ending. Killing off a character in writing should serve a strong narrative purpose. If you're doing it without a narrative purpose, just for the sake of killing a character to add tension, that's not a good narrative purpose, especially after you establish a character or like a main character or a strong supporting character. So (laughs) I think you could do an episode just based off of that, killing off characters in shows when it's appropriate, when it's not, who's done it well, who hasn't. That's an important thing that has, I think has been abused since you know, Martin likes to do it a whole lot, but he he does it well. I'm, I'm saying he doesn't do it well, but there's people who have been trying to emulate that recently where it's just like, what, why? It's why would you do that? Killing. Just killing the character is not what makes those deaths so good. It's, so good yeah, it's not, not at all. <laughs> I feel kind of like Attack on Titan is trying to mimic Martin's style of like, you know, just like, no one is safe except for the main characters, and everyone's going to die except for the main characters. But no one's died. <laughs> Was a, That's what's guy, weird. His name was Mario, or something. He was part oh. of like the the training group, and then he, he was, was but, dead. But like, it was Martel, great. or not Martel, Thomas? Eh? Was it Thomas? I don't know. The one who died in like the second episode. But it's like he wasn't really was someone around. Someone who died at like enough. around episode ten or something, yeah. and he was part of the training group, and then they just found him dead, and everyone was really hurt about it, and I just liked how creepy he looked. Mark Marcus, something. something that like was like that. Mario, but whatever. But, but when you kill a character off without 
Mark. serving a narrative purpose except for the fact of this character is no longer in the story it feels like you get it's like a cheap shot which it, it, you can do that well but i don't feel like that gets over you off scene off screen exactly don't don't kill developed characters off scene period like they should have their own scene you should at least have some form of impact of whether it be their last word or their dying breath or seeing them go and do something redeem themselves serve some purpose in the narrative if you're going to take the time to write them in the anime in the popular anime the trope usually seems like oh you give me the killing blow here's a monologue of my entire life's purpose and then they die Oh jeez, that's so bad. It's true though. It, no, that does happen. That's there's a good example of doing it poorly. <laughs> I always wanted to get married and open up a bakery. It's like okay, and so like, when did this come up when you were killing those guys? Like you're like, yeah, like I didn't even know you were married. Like what's going on? Why is this relevant? <laughs> you're dead. Just die already, okay? Please. I don't want an episode of just. Final Fantasy fourteen, like one of the nameless soldiers for the evil empire mutters something about how he'll never go home to his chocobo when he dies. And it's like, I've killed like 500 million of these guys. Now you're giving me an emotional connection to them? Like it's too little. Too <laughs> you, should feel, you should feel bad about killing this man. He had a dream. It's like, jeez. Oh, it's like it's the quickest way to build any kind of emotional... Having a pet? It's a little too late if they're dying, though. <laughs> That's not when you start. That's what I'm getting at. Like, come on. But about, like, just don't. Like, especially in, well, in pretty much any media, any character who is just a background character who suddenly gets a burst of characterization, he's dying. Oh yeah. Absolutely, and that's that's a trope that anime makes fun of all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the. God. Uh, Think about the chocobo. It, there's a, another thing in anime, and that is weird magical creatures that are just meant to be adorable and or badass depending <laughs> and the prime example i think of is from inuyasha is kirara because it goes from being a tiny little cute almost like foxy uh cat to being a giant tiger thing with like three tails or something i like the panda bear thingamajiggy in fma <laughs> yeah the tiny panda that is entirely pathetic but is cute And sometimes they're usually just as, like, kind of uh, plays, I guess, it's just in the fact that they're cute and they're just going to be there. And this is, like, the reason that you should watch the anime is because this cute thing is funny. And like, I feel like they don't serve a purpose a lot of the time. And once in a while they do. I can't really remember many of those. <laughs> well, there was that, a cat in Sailor Moon. The panda talked. bear saved the day a couple oh, times. Weren't there several cats in Sailor Moon? But, like, there yeah, is the main was. cat. <laughs> Whatever. The talking cat in Sailor Moon's like the talking cat in Sabrina Teenage Witch. I, I thought I always thought they were the oh. same character growing up, so. <laughs> that makes me want to watch Sailor Moon. What the hell? Uh, I don't know I about that. <laughs> no, you go watch Madoka Magica. <laughs> Not the after prime example of animals in anime is Pokemon. I was going to say something. But... How did we not talk about Pokemon? Well, I guess we brought it up a little bit with Brock. But... Brock. <laughs> Brock and his weird eyes. <laughs> Pokemon is weird. Like it breaks it, a lot of things. Of like, also, there's just the uh, consistency on what kills a Pokemon. 
Charmander's tail going out, the flame goes out, it dies. But they don't talk about Pokemon death a whole lot. He's like, what are these Pokemon eating out in the wild? You have birds hunting insects, but like no one ever kills anyone. What's going on? Not everything's a Pokemon, right? Yeah, because they show but. They show bugs like there's a yeah. there's like a caterpillar crawling on a leaf and it freaks out a girl. Oh, right. But then there's also a Pokemon called Caterpie, which is apparently adorable because you can catch it. And turns well, into another I'm... like what, what's going on in this world? <laughs> you can't eat bug Pokemon because then that's creepy. Yeah. Can you eat other cows? And then there's also the like the Taurus. I know the I know the first hundred fifty. I'm good on the names there. Yeah, those are nice. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, are there cows and people have burgers, and then there's Taurus, but you can't eat Taurus meat? Like, what's going on here? I don't know. Pikachu um, always looked pretty tasty to me. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Why well, would you want to eat rat? Get people mad at you, aren't you? A little P- Pikachu Pikachu's kebab. Rat. You know. Oh boy. Pokemon like, also had like the like tribes of police officer women and nurse women that were just like identical to each other that Brock they didn't feel like drawing a different character but they had to find out a way to explain why these characters kept showing up in different cities so it was i had i had 50 yeah it's just kind of a running joke right i had 15 daughters and they all look the same and do the same job (laughs) i like the hilarity and absurdity of it but it's like i don't know anything else that would get away with that no nope (laughs) yeah and Unless I love how clones. Lieutenant Surge is like 15 feet tall. <laughs> Ash comes up to his knee, I think. Uh, Ash was also 10 years old. Yes, but like, well, that was is not doing... that short. Though that was just the way they showed that one scene. Like Lieutenant Surge was like portrayed as being tall. He talks about like if you play the game when you first fight him, he talks about the war and fighting alongside his yeah. Raichu and how he lost people. Like Pokemon has a lot of shit going on in the background that they don't talk about in like the anime. anime. I, why does uh, I don't know? I don't know. You want to put on like some sort Besides. of anthropologist hat? Someone is going to tell you it has to do with World War Two. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's like, even in anime that aren't currently at war, like the war just ended or something. Or there Ghost was a war was that changed everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ghost in the Shell. That is actually, that's an awesome anime series. Conglomerate. I don't know. It's fun. But they constantly a, talk about that there were multiple wars. Because there was like another, like World War Three and World War Four that happened. And they mention it sometimes. There's always war. There's always war. True. But... War. Wars. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of a way to relate writing and things that you could draw from anime is like a good thing to do, but it's such, it's like, it's fun to talk about it as its own medium, but it's kind of hard to relate to things that you could learn from anime to do in your writing besides things that you shouldn't do. Cause there's a lot more negative examples of things. If you ever write like this, <laughs> You better have your own production team to animate it because you're not going to get away with it in just Western writing. I thought you said you listened to this show. That's pretty much all we do is take negative examples from things. Like, don't do this. I do listen to the show. I was just trying to think if there's any way to recoup from this and say, like, because there are a lot of great examples. We generally always follow up that we can. You can do it if you do it right. And then we try to show an example. Everything you can do wrong, you can do correctly if you're good at it. If you're good at it. 
yeah um it's hard to get away with the weird tropiness of anime in a western writing situation unless you're trying to mimic anime like the whole eyeglasses i'm a badass thing or something you can have things that are anime inspired themes while still writing with western characters and the way you develop all your characters and do the storyline though because there's things that we've discussed that only you would ever see in if it was like a live action, if it's something that's a visual presentation, only works in anime. I think there are things that can work that way in books too. You just have to do them well and avoid tropes if you can't do tropes well and actually work on developing characters. I mean, I think anime has influenced a lot of my writing. I mean, no one here has read anything that I've written, but I've read some <laughs> of it. Have you? Yeah. I'm just curious. I, I don't know. You haven't, you haven't said anything, so I wasn't sure. Well, I've been slowly getting through it, but yes, I've read some of it. <laughs> All right, well, that, anyways, pretending that I didn't make that comment then. I think there is a lot that you can draw from. <laughs> yeah, now I just feel embarrassed. <laughs> well, Not trying to call anyone earlier, out. Earlier I was talking about Armin and how he was done badly, but like, okay, so don't do what Armin is if you're going to try to make a genius character, but you can easily find other anime. It's like, oh, that's a well-done genius character, and the only example I can really think of is Psychopaths, which had multiple and I thought they were actually well done. Like they were shown as being intelligent and then not getting overly arrogant. It's not a, like, you can have smart characters just come up with something better than the solutions Armin was coming up with because they just didn't come across as intelligent solutions. Yeah. Like you, you, have, you do have to sit down and think. You have more time than the characters do to think about the problem. Come up with a clever solution. Right, and make sure that you don't... Because you see this, I don't know about anime, but in Western TV where someone's really smart and then they're really stupid to make like conflict happen. Yeah, and that does Prometheus. happen a lot. <laughs> like the, the show that I watched a lot of that was just terrible about it was White Collar on usa i love that show but oh my god like these two people are incredibly smart until the plot's like hey they need to be really stupid <laughs> or like they're best friends and then they're not because plot and i, I feel like that does happen a lot in anime too i feel more of the, the teenager slice of life high school thing because you know they're teenagers in high school they're gonna be dumb Okay, it's still frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> were there any moments in FMA that were specifically smart people doing dumb things? I can't think of any like overly intelligent, per overly intelligent characters or people who are portrayed as being like really, really smart. Besides just mm. badasses who happen to say the right thing at the right time. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe when we eventually revisit this topic, as I know we will, we can uh, re-dissect yeah. FMA Brotherhood. <laughs> uh, for now, we have other shit to plug, and then we'll end this episode and go to something different next time. Well, next time, we have New York Times best-selling author Daniel H. Wilson to discuss his new book, The Clockwork Dynasty. Uh, his He wrote uh, Robopocalypse, Robogenesis, and a bunch of other stuff. He's a PA, He has a PhD in robotics from Carnegie Mellon, so he's very knowledgeable in the whole robotic subject. Uh, so yeah, check him out. 
and check us out next time with that uh, that interview. Yeah, we're going to talk to someone smarter than us and learn how they do it. That's right. He finishes writing things and gets published. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that it takes hard work to be successful. <laughs> Working hard is overrated. Just like self-respect. <laughs> But, you know, if you actually do want to be successful, yeah, you got to actually finish your damn book. Point taken. But we've got other projects we're doing, like the Justin Files podcast, which I'll be doing next week. And Jacob's still doing great. Scott, which season are you on? We are season five. We're finishing up season five next episode. Uh, because of how schedules are going, we're flipping weeks. So, because High Fantasy is flipping weeks. And so everything. Uh, so yeah, if you're listening to this show, we're, our our cadence is changing to the other every other week. So yeah, uh, we're on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash broken jars. If you want to give us your hard earned money, uh, I'm at Jacob Ingles on Twitter. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, I'm pretty active there. So yeah. Cool. Oh, we have a new one. We have a new podcast. Oh, that's right. We have the long haul. Uh, it's about parenting and gaming and like playing video games with your kids and other games. So yeah, check that out. It's from Brian. He's a friend of mine from college. Uh, yeah, we we had our first podcast yeah. together back in like 2005. So <laughs> it's good to have him podcasting again. Yeah, I think that's all of our current projects right now. And so go watch anime. <laughs> should plug some good shows before we go then full metal alchemist brotherhood if you haven't yeah spice and wolf cool read berserk god damn it yeah it's great <laughs> i read the first five pages i was like what the fuck am i looking at keep going <laughs> read it i will all right good uh, y'all have a good all one right, see you guys be safe this holiday weekend bye, bye. yeah bye